it's like even when I'm in the gym, like when I go to the gym and I train, I always feel like, oh, I'm just the fat girl in the gym. <sighs> and I think it's really hard to get out of that mindset. Bring mm. that beat back. Girl Talk with Trish and Shona. Jennifer Carl, or Jen's journey as she's known on Instagram, is a mum from Dublin who shed an incredible 12 stone over the past couple of years and has bravely documented her journey. After years of emotional eating, Jennifer tipped the scale at 25 stone. Part of her motivation for completely turning her life around was her son Carter, who just turned five. She has shared her story and encouraged others to get fit and healthy with her, sharing daily recipes and tips. The devoted mum and social media influencer changed her life in so many ways for the better, and the people who follow her do so because she's nothing short of inspirational. Jennifer Carroll, welcome to Girl Talk. Hello, thank you. Thanks for that lovely intro. (laughs) (laughs) Is it weird when you hear stuff said about you like that? Is it like, have you got used to it? You feel like you're listening about someone else. (laughs) But it's you. (laughs) Now, Jennifer, did you ever think when you first started all this, the masses were going to be following you? 101,000 followers on Instagram. Like, incredible. Did you think this would ever happen? No, like, absolutely no. I think of all of my friends, especially, I was the one person on Instagram that was kind of not very active. Or, like, even when they were on, you know, taking their phones out and night out, I'd kind of always be like, oh, it's not my thing. Do you know, like, avoiding the camera. And then I think it was actually when I had my little boy, I got a bit more active because you're constantly posting pictures of, like, your kid. I was so proud. Of course. <laughs> so then, Yeah, I would just post pictures of him all the time. And then I think when I started the Instagram, because I was doing it more so as like a diary for myself, I wasn't expecting like such a reaction or such a crowd to kind of follow along. And I didn't know I'd be like, I didn't think I'd lose 12 stones. So like that was obviously a plus to it as well. (laughs) Now, shameful secrets. We'll get into it, Jennifer. So is there something that few people know about you? Hmm. God, shameful. I feel like I'm a little bit of an open book. Um, I think this is a really hard one. I'm trying to think of like, even when I was a teenager, like I was always a bit cringy. <laughs> I don't think I have like a shameful secret. Like I was very um, immature, I suppose. Like, um, I don't know. I went to like Buffy and Angel conventions for years. Maybe I'm <laughs> I was so nerdy, me and my best friend loved it. I don't think I have anything really shameful. Okay. It's hard. What kind of, like, what is an example? Like, it's not like I murdered a cat or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'd hope not. <laughs> no, well, for me, I suppose, well, for show, I remember you saying you can't, you can't really bake. You can't really bake. Is that is that oh, one of your shameful secrets? And can't parallel park? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a tough I one. I think, yeah. The, the parallel park is the one that's only embarrassing when you've got somebody in the car with it's you. Like, have you ha- ever had to bring someone somewhere for work or something and you've had to, like, drive by a parking space and be like, oh, no, it's grand. We'll get another one. We'll There's get another one. And you're like... <laughs> um, yeah, I suppose it's just those things that uh, people don't realise about you. But the Buffy convention is fairly embarrassing. I'm, I'm yeah, not going to lie. And I think like, <laughs> my mum and dad would have to spend like £110 or something. It was like somewhere in Smithfield and you'd go for like an hour, but it was so not worth the money. Like you barely got to meet the stars. And it was always like not really the main stars out of Buffy. Mm-hmm. So like it wasn't even like exciting. But, so um, no Sarah Michelle Geller. Yeah, no, it was never her. Her and David Boreana, I was obsessed with them. Mm. But um, I would like to, I went to an Irish speaking secondary school and primary school, and I sometimes hate how much I've lost that. And Carter's in an Irish speaking school now, and sometimes one of my good friends, Neve, she works in the Irish language. I'll have to text her and be like, Neve, like, what's the Irish for hippo? Or, you know, some random things. And sometimes I'm like, oh, I wish I was better at that like I wish I'd studied like kind of stayed more active with speaking Irish that's one thing I kind of regret I suppose it's not really a secret now you did touch on something there at the very beginning and you said when you first started all this your intention was Irish thing say that again sorry you go show what was that oh sorry there was a bit of a delay there I think okay Um, I'm sorry no I I think it's mad about the Irish thing because I'm in the same boat with Eve and 
I have realised that I actually didn't know the days of the week. Yeah. Like I had forgotten them, and I did honours yeah. Irish. It's it's embarrassing, isn't it? That's the thing. Yeah. And like my dad's family is from the Gaeltacht, and it was always quite prominent, I suppose, in our house. And we're all quite proud of it. But I think when you stop speaking it, you just don't realise how quickly you lose it. And I yeah. think as a teenager, I really took for granted, like having that like available to me to really, you know, kind of learn it and make it a part of my life and I took it for granted a little bit and then I think I moved to London straight away after school that it just I never practiced it or bothered with it. but only now that I'm sending character there I really regret losing it a little bit mm. yeah I uh, yeah I, it's just one of those things that you go well I'd like to speak Spanish that that would be my um my language of choice if I could um yeah. let's talk about your first love and it's always that one that you kind of think oh god the story behind it the feelings what happened and actually funny enough I think that whole you know the first flushes the the, the embarrassment the like everything that goes with that are you watching it are you watching normal I haven't am I watching which series sorry this you're is breaking just up delay do I need to go again? Yes, please. <laughs> okay, can you hear me now? Yeah. I think because normal people is so big at the moment, the TV show is just huge and has had such a profound effect on people. It's kind of made people question that whole, or look back on your first love and those feelings and everything that went with it. Like, are you watching the TV show? Have you seen it? No, I've just started the book. So I wanted to read the book first. So I got the book off my friend there and I just started it. So I haven't seen the series. My mom is watching it though, but I've asked her not to like tell me anything. <laughs> but I know oh God. they're going mad for him. Don't watch it with your mom. No, it's better no, to watch it my on your own. Cousin, my cousin said to me last week, she's like, I started watching it. She's like a couple of weeks ago with my mom and dad and it just became a thing. And then she was like the other episode or the last episode, she was like, it was the most uncomfortable. She's like, I was just sitting with my mom and dad for like 40 minutes. She's like, it was horrible. It's all yeah. the nudie bits. It's all the nudie bits that you get kind of scared about when you're with your family and friends. But would you be, would you be like, you know, a, a bit prudish when it comes to certain things like that? Or would you be open no. to? No, I wouldn't be at all. And I feel like me and my dad would just rip the piss. Like we'd be trying to embarrass each other. So we'd be pretty like laid back. I wouldn't be like I've always been kind of big into films I trained in acting as well so Ooh. that kind of stuff in films doesn't ah. it wouldn't really bother me I mean I wouldn't like to be doing it myself but and <laughs> um, um, what about your first love what was it like what you know what happened to I what think... well you don't have to give his name yeah. <laughs> a profile what was my um I'd say my first love was probably when I was a little bit older. Like I had, you know, crushes when I was a teenager that I would have thought, you know, wore like I was in love throughout school and stuff like that. And so like some, yeah, no, so they weren't great. <laughs> but um, I think, yeah, my first ones would have been more so when I was a little bit older, kind of like 19, 20 plus. But um. Yeah, I don't know. I think I, I used to be anyway a little bit cringy in a relationship. I think like I wanted, you know, like the romance story. So I think I'd be acting <laughs> like over the top, but I'm very lovey-dovey. So I think like, I don't know, I feel uncomfortable when I think back on um, <laughs> even people that I had crushes on. I think I'd be much more um, mature now. <laughs> No, I do get you what you mean, though. It's like when you go through, when you look back, you think, oh, my God, like, what was I like? And now looking back, I suppose that's why it's kind of cringy because you're just like, oh, no, I'm just a completely different yeah. person. And I would never act like that now. Do you I keep in contact with like any that. of your um, exes or any of the past crushes or first love even? No, I don't think I'm in touch with any of them. I, bum I bumped into one I remember over Christmas. And then there was one from when I first was in London that had randomly messaged or reached out a couple of weeks ago to me um, on Facebook. So um, they'd randomly sent me a message. But I mean, most of mine would probably be in and around where I'm from. So you kind of see them. Like you'd see someone and forget that you fancied them mm. or had a crush, you know, that way. But a couple of them don't live in the country. So I'm kind of lucky that way. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> me around. But I, the only one I can remember is I bumped into one at Christmas time with my friend. And she was like, oh, God, that was so funny. But Memories. Kind of glad I got away. <laughs> now, you have been an inspiration to the masses. And we touched on this a little bit earlier when you said um, you, it was something you kind of never even saw happening. What was that like for you then? So you started at the very beginning to just lose weight for yourself. And then it kind of took off and you started posting the videos. But essentially, when people started like following you, how did that make you feel? It was so when I first started the Jen's Journey Instagram, I had my own personal Instagram. But when I started Jen's journey, I'd set it as like a private page. So I didn't tell anyone about it. Like I hadn't even, even told friends or family or anything. And I was a few weeks on it. And then I remember I was with my friend Grace getting her nails done. And we were talking to the nail tech girl. And um, the three of us were on Slim- in Slim on World at the time. And I remember they were saying like, Jen, you should um, definitely do like a page thing. And I was kind of like, oh, well, I kind of have. Like I've set one up. And they're like, oh my God, like, I can't believe you haven't told me, show me, blah, blah, blah. And at the time, my friend Grace, she's faces by Grace, she had like a massive platform, like a huge platform. And she was like, please let me share, please let me share. And I was like, no, like, absolutely not. Like, not hope. Um, so she didn't. But she was like really kind of following me that she obviously followed me then and she was really encouraging and then I think a week or two later some of the other girls found out and my other friend Dominique just shared it (laughs) without asking and I was like oh my god and like obviously I'm so glad she did and I remember within five minutes after she shared it Grace rang me and she's like can I share it now and I think overnight I got about 3,000 followers um and I remember ringing them and I was like, oh my God, I was like, I'm sweating. My palms are sweating. I was like, I can't cope. I was like, I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> um, but I never um, spoke on camera. It was literally just me posting photographs of my meals. And then on my stories, I would start doing step-by-step recipes, just really simple recipes for people to follow. And I would reply and respond to people and interact, but I never shared a picture. And that was all um, kind of January, February. And then I think it was May, about five months later, when I first shared my face. (laughs) And at that point, I think I had about, um, I don't know, I think I probably had anywhere between 10 and 20,000 followers. And I still didn't know who I was. I mean, they probably knew who I was through my friends' social media, but I didn't go on camera. Um, That is a lot of pressure, though, you know, to go to put yourself out there like that. That's the thing. And I think the the thing I find hardest with social media is like you can have 100,000 people following you. And that, like, you, I obviously when I'm going on camera or like chatting shy, like, I'm not thinking, oh, there's a hundred thousand people watching mm. this. It's just kind of a number. But I think I get, I don't know, I notice it the most then when I see like a neighbor or a family member or like I'm in work and like a manager or someone says something like, oh, I've seen that. And I'm like, oh, God, like, you're watching me. <laughs> like, I forget, like, you just think a hundred thousand people, like a hundred thousand strangers. But a lot of them, and obviously where I'm from in Dublin, like, Talent is a small place and you know a lot of people. And sometimes that makes me a little bit like cringy or sometimes I almost second guess what I'm posting and then I'm just like, no, like just no one's going to care. I just get a little bit conscious or a little bit embarrassed, but I think I'm more comfortable now. But I remember in the beginning, like, you know, you just come on to talk to your stories to just be like, hi, the first time you come on. I think I would re-record that for about an hour. Like I'd record that about 50 times. It's just so hard. And I know a lot of people message me where they're like, I'm trying to start Instagram and like, I don't know how to get the ball going. And I, that's what I found the hardest. Like just naturally coming on to just be like, hey, I'm just in the kitchen. This is what I'm doing. Like, oh, I used to hate that. I'd just keep re-recording it. That was really tough. But after a few months, like you just kind of forget. And it does come very natural. But um. There's still sometimes I think when I feel the pressure a little bit, like I know there's a lot of people that I'd be in touch with or message quite regularly and um, they might be kind of looking for advice or really struggling Mm -hmm. and it's hard to stay on top of the messages. So I find I kind of feel guilty or the pressure then when I know there's a lot of people that have messaged me and I can't get back to them. Yeah. So that kind of thing I find out or even sometimes like the other day I was going through my messages and I found a message from like three weeks ago from like a charity that I really like and they'd asked me to do something that weekend and I just completely missed it like I oh, felt no. awful but at the same time I'm like I work full time I have character I cook and then I try to record everything it's I think people think like I oh, you know you're exaggerating when you're like I can't get back to all your messages but like when someone sends you a message asking you a question the chances are like church other people have asked that question mm. like you know if you put something up like a new product or something and somebody's like oh where did you get that 
and then all of the other messages get pushed down so I think that's the pressure I struggle with the most like it's almost like you need to have a full-time job to just sit down respond to people and do content well that was going to be my next question is this your job then and like what was your first random job my random job oh my god I've had so many jobs my very very first job was when I was like 13 or 14 so my mom and dad always had a really good kind of worth ethic with me and my brother and like as soon as we were 15 16 we were straight out the door to get a job Mm. um I think my very first job was delivering leaflets and I think I got like 2p for every leaflet that I delivered (laughs) Um, and that's actually hard because you think like that's grand like there's loads of leaflets but like 100 houses is two euro but um that was my first job and then I remember I started my mom used to be a hairdresser for years my mom and her twin sister about hairdressers. I started working in their hairdressers, just like sweeping hairs and like the basic stuff. And um, but I never really had an interest in hair. Mm. And then I started working in the pub, so the local pub. I worked there for two or three years. That was my first main job. I say my most randomest one was right before I moved to London. You were living in I London. Had- You'll have to tell us about that. No, I had a couple in London as well. But when, right before I moved to London, I had finished um, my leave insert and I was like, I'm moving to London to become an actor. And my dad was like, no, you're not. Like, you're 18, like, get a grip. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So he was like, you have to do something. And I had no interest in anything at college. And I'd left it so late to apply that I ended up doing um, like a beauty. I applied for theatrical makeup in Crumlin, but that was booked up. So they said, we have a space free on beauty therapy. So I was like, right, I'll just do that for the year. Um, and I'd done that for the year. I did enjoy it, but I knew it wasn't for me. Mm. But I've always kind of enjoyed hair and beauty stuff, but I knew it wasn't like my passion. So I'd done that. And then I decided like I'm definitely moving to London. So I had about six months to save. So I got a job in like a taxi office, you know, where you answer the calls. But the shifts were horrible. It was oh. like 5 p.m. to 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. or 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. Um, and it was a 12 hour shift but I think it was like really good money like the money was insane and it was quite easy and I remember um, like it was horrible and I hated it I think we used to just get like takeaway every night and even the people I worked with there wasn't really anyone my age it was just a really random job but I just needed to save and I remember I was just like I'll do this for six months and save all my money that was really the most random and then I remember in London I worked my very first job in London was in a news agent I was like a supervisory news agent and I used to have to go in at half four in the morning to get all the newspaper ready for like the paper boys mm-hmm. but it was in a village called Dulwich Village which is so fun like it's a really posh village like loads of celebrities live there like Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman live there um, it was really posh like all the little boys were kind of you know like 14 year old really posh kids Mm -hmm. they're all nice but I just I worked with two old men and I hated that job that was quite random apart from that though my job has just kind of been restaurants cafes and theaters do you feel like Instagram though is kind of a job in itself now yeah a hundred percent and I remember when I first moved home from London before I had Instagram set up my friend Grace done a full-time I thought that was her career and I used to kind of laugh and be like how can it be your full-time job Mm. (laughs) like what do you actually do and I could never understand like influencers or bloggers and all that kind of stuff um but I get it 100% now. Like, I know you're not going to get paid full time for sitting replying to people, but the hours it takes to do that, you'd need it. But um, even creating content, I think like there's a lot of people, I think are on Instagram trying to, not trying to make it, but you know, they want to share their art or whatever it is. So it can be quite competitive. And I think a lot of people on Instagram feel the pressure in that sense so when it comes to like more content creators like they really have to be different and stand out and like that's a lot of pressure and it can take a lot of time like I ended up taking a day or two I cut my hours in work it was actually the week COVID-19 oh. hit. I was like I'm drop my hours just so that the two days that characters in school I can do all of my content instead of at the weekends because I was feeling guilty like I was in work Monday to Friday nine to five and then I come in from work make dinner see character for a couple of hours and then it's bedtime and then at the weekends when it was mine and his time I'd be three or four hours in the kitchen like trying to get content done or I might have like sponsored work and I was trying to get that all done and then I was like it's like I just felt guilty and I was like it's not worth it anymore so then I said I can 
like while I'm making money on Instagram, I can probably afford to drop two days mm-hmm. during the week and still balance out my wages and have that time still with Carter. And then the day, my first day off, like I done loads of stuff. I recorded three videos. I got loads of pictures. I was delighted. And I picked Carter up from school and they're like, so they're not coming back. Oh, <laughs> like, okay. oh God. So that's perfect time. But at the same time, it's been nice because I have so much... Like, I know I won't have this time again mm. at home with Carter. Do you know what I mean? Like, so it's been really nice in that way, having so much time at home with him. And he's really good, like, helping out in the kitchen if I do need to kind of say, like, I just have to come in. Like, will you help me? He's great like that. Oh, he's probably watching mommy making all the recipes and stuff now. So he knows exactly what to do. That is so cute. I can't. Yeah. Oh. I think you, like, and you've kind of talked about it there in terms of, like, how you started out and how you made it happen for yourself and that it was and easy from the start I think you've been really genuine and honest in your approach to Instagram which is lovely and which is why people follow you I guess so I feel bad that I'm going to ask you what like has there been an epic fail in your life that's you know kind of been one of those times where you've just thought this didn't work out or this didn't go well um I think my biggest fail would probably be I don't like admitting it because I think there's still hope or there's still time but I think it was my whole degree in acting so I moved and trained in London I was there nine years that was my passion and then I think my personal life just took over and as soon as like towards the end of my degree I went back to uni to get the degree when I was 23 so I was a little bit more mature and I knew it was what I wanted Mm -hmm. And I felt like sometimes when you're more of a mature student, not that you're a better student, but I even noticed in the class, like I just, I was there because I really wanted to do it. And I was kind of reading everything because I wanted to read it, not because I had to read it. And I noticed maybe the younger people weren't as interested and I absolutely loved it. And then obviously I fell pregnant in my third year at uni. So I had to fall back and go back. And I was determined to finish the degree because I loved it and it was what I wanted so when Carter was, I think, two months, no, three or four months old, I went back to uni and finished the thesis. Oh, and we had to do a degree. Obviously, I had to, like, because it was acting, I had to, like, write a play, perform. So there was other stuff alongside of that. Mm. Um, and I just remember when I went back for those six months, my head just wasn't in it. Oh. Like, I was just doing it to get it done. And I'd kind of lost the passion. And then as soon as I got the degree, I haven't done anything at all like related like before I went to uni and while I was at uni I was doing a lot of stuff and a lot of Amdram stuff and I was involved in different theatre groups and I absolutely loved it and then I think as soon as I got my degree that's it I've never gone back to it or like dabbled in it again and I do really regret that but I do hope maybe someday that I'd be able to I don't know get back even if it was just like I said something at the weekends for myself or just even you know a little bit of because it used to be like therapy for me. Like I absolutely loved drama and acting. It was my kind of creative outlet. And I think Instagram took that place. Because yeah. I'm definitely more creative than I am articulate. Like 100%. I'd be the first to admit that. Um, I just prefer, it's just the way I am, just the way my brain works. I'm definitely more creative. And I was always creative with the acting. And then I think since that stopped, I kind of get to be a little bit creative, I suppose, with Instagram and even with the food and creating different meals. That would be more my creative outlet now. But I do really regret and miss drama and acting. I can totally 100% relate to you on that. And I didn't realise that that's what you'd done in college. I didn't know that was your background. I did drama in DOHC. And I thought it was going to be the next Julia Roberts. I've always said this and it just didn't happen. But I think if you have that creative side to you, it, you know, it's just in you. It never leaves. And there are going to be times in your life when it's reignited. Like I went back and did a play about three years ago and it was just like this feeling of coming home again because yeah. I hadn't done it for like 10, 12 years. And suddenly you remember why, you know, that was you need to do. But And it's lovely that you can still feed that. Yeah, I would. Like, I definitely would love to go back into it. It was just always like a passion. And I feel like, I don't know, we just feel, I just feel like something does be missing sometimes because that mm. was what my life was for 10 years. And even before London, like I done all kind of my grades over here and my certificate in the Leinster School of Music. And I just loved it. And then I went straight over to London into acting and all of 
my friends, like my circles of friends were all into acting. So we were always, you know, nights out for us would be going to see a show or going to theatre. But I do think a lot of that has to do with um, London. Like, it's just different. I think the circle here and even the... I don't know. It's just different over here trying to even get into acting and drama. It's a lot different to how it was in London and the opportunities available. So I do really miss that, but I don't think I'd ever go back to London. I think with your following, you might be able to get a stint on Fair City. You <laughs> <laughs> be on Fair City before I moved to London. Stop but only it. as extra. I always done extra work in the cafe. Me and my friend Lisa, <laughs> we used to do that through fifth and sixth year. I loved it. Oh, excellent. It was, we just loved it because we get a half day off school, but it was great. You might go back yet, yeah, reprise your role. Oh. <laughs> now, <laughs> we've learned a lot of lessons and I'm sure you've learned massive lessons along the way. But what is maybe one of your biggest life lessons learned so far? I think my biggest life lesson, I was actually talking to my friend Denise last night about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's probably just learning I think I, I think it's hard to admit sometimes, but I think I'm a people pleaser. And my dad's always said that about me. And I think that it can be a little bit of a downfall. It's definitely, I'd say, one of, it was one of my downfalls. Like sometimes I think it can almost be not a nice trait, but I like think sometimes I'd always put other people's happiness before my own. Yeah. And I always like to make sure that everyone else is okay. And I've just always been like that. Like I'd rather, I'd get more joy from seeing that I'd made someone else happy than making myself happy. Mm -hmm. And I just think in the last couple of years, I've realized Mm -hmm. that putting yourself first and kind of putting my happiness before anyone else's like is, is okay. And it's what's most important because if I am fulfilled and happy in myself, like then everyone else around me, I'm, you know, you can do whatever you can to help them. But I just think, I don't know, for a long time, I always felt guilty almost putting myself first and saying no to other people. Like I am such a yes person, even to this day, even on Instagram, Mm. I find it so hard to say no. And obviously when you have a platform on Instagram, people are going to reach out to you constantly, you know, asking you to do stuff or to share stuff. And I'd have a lot of like friends or even people in the business that would be like, they're taking advantage a little bit, you know what I mean? Like you have this platform, like that's something that they should be paying for. But I just find it really hard to say no. So I was like, yeah. So I think in the last year or two, I've grown in that sense. Like I've gotten a lot better at learning to say no to people. If it's not, if it's something that makes me feel uncomfortable, um, I just say no. Or like, if it's not what I want at the time, I'll do what I want to do first. And that's it. So I think that would be a big lesson. I think I would still say that I find a hard say now. I wouldn't say I'm not a people pleaser anymore, but I just think I've learned that my happiness is the priority because once I'm happy and healthy and like I'm looking after me first, that's kind of what's most important for me. And even for Carter, because he has, you know, like a mom that's in a good like frame of mind and I'm kind of content to myself. So I've just been kind of learning that a lot. And I suppose... Yeah, the last two years, I've just kind of really worked on myself and changing my mindset in that sense, been a little less hard on myself. Do you think having a a child as well is um, kind of the driving force behind that? Because now you have a little person to look after and they're looking up to you and you have this kind of responsibility. Do you think it kind of changes your mind frame then when you do have a kid and especially when you're in this public forum? A hundred percent. Like, I think like obviously a parent and I'm a single parent, which is like obviously different for me. But I think what I've learned the most with character is even I suppose my weight loss journey and everything. He was kind of the driving force for that. And he Mm. helped me like in so many ways like that he would never even understand. But he genuinely did help me turn my life around. And I think I've said it loads of times before. I wish sometimes that I had have loved myself enough to want it enough for me that I was worth it enough to turn my life around. Mm-hmm. But I just think at the time it wasn't like that. And then he came along and I realized there's so much more to life and I wanted to kind of become healthy for him. And he really helped me that. And I think with being a parent and, you know, the pressure, especially on social media, I think social media can be such a fake place um, sometimes when it comes to like even when people compare themselves and even with the home home skills to like you'll see people putting up their routine and you're like oh my god like I literally have to drag her to the table for 15 minutes to <laughs> color a picture and for me like mm. I was like um it's really easy to compare but I think you just have to remember like I think the best thing with a child is for them to just lead by example I think so long as you're kind of a good person you know you're doing the right stuff you're happy you're healthy you're looking after yourself like I don't think there's much room you know for it 
them to turn out really bad, <laughs> which is obviously your biggest fear. But I do think like becoming a parent was definitely one of the best things that ever happened to me. Like it changed my whole life around, like in ways that I never thought I would, like ways that I dreamed it would have, but I didn't think it would be possible. So like, I'll always be like grateful for him, well, him knowing how much I feel like I'm rambling now. No, you're <laughs> not. No, it is no. The... Oh, Jennifer, it's can so I, relatable. When you were in London, when you when you had Carter, were you yeah. on your own? As in, like your parents weren't there. Were, there was no family. How was that? Because like I'm just in my head going, I needed everybody, and like where was the support for you? It was really, it was tough. My mom and dad, everyone was here. So I had Carter. I was still with his dad when we went for the first kind of 18 months of Carter's life. So I was very close to his family. So I feel like as much I did really, really miss my mom and my dad and even my friends. And I wanted everyone to be around me at that time. But I was very lucky that I had that family because we were very close and like I stayed with them a lot. So I did really miss my mom. So I'm always like, and I remember she used to always say, when you have a kid, you'll want to move home. And I'd be like, no, I don't. <laughs> but like I did, as soon as I had character, I just missed her. And I think we spoke like five times on the phone, but she used to come over every month and furnish. She was so good. Like we wouldn't go five or six weeks without seeing each other. I think I only managed to get home twice I think two or three times when before I moved home but my mom was over every month and um we're lucky now I suppose well we're lucky most days that we all live together <laughs> I don't know how lucky they feel but when I moved home we moved in with them but they're so grateful to even have that kind of bond and relationship with um character but yeah no it was it definitely was tough I think especially when you live abroad you have a child it does really make you appreciate and kind of want your family around a lot more. But that was really hard. And then I think when I split up with his dad, there was kind of a long, it was like a year before I was able to move home. And that year was really hard. That mm. was kind of very lonely because I'd kind of cut myself off even from a lot of my friends. And a lot of my friends wouldn't have had um, kids. So it was hard. You know, obviously, if you're the first to have kids, like yeah. they can't relate or they, they're going out and have plans. So that was a really lonely year. Mm. But I was lucky in that I had friends and family constantly coming over to me. But um, I think that that year especially was the year I think I gained a lot of weight because every single night I would just sit in on my own and eat like a tub of ice cream and watch a film and cry. But we can all relate to that emotional eating. Yeah. I'm the same as well. Like, if, especially if I'm going through something that I find I can't really decipher in my mind whether this is good or bad. I'm just feeling, feeling yeah. overwhelmed. I turn to food. It's just it's just a habit. Yeah. It's so true. And I said that, I was only saying that to my friend as well last night. It was like, you're in that kind of situation where I think when you're in a really low place as well, and I, I would think I was like I didn't have depression but I was very depressed and I remember I was like every single night Carter would go to bed and I was like in my head I had two options like I'm either just going to sit down now and cry for the next four hours mm. I said or I'll get a bag of crisps and a tub of ice cream and put in a film <laughs> and I was like and just numb my feelings and eat myself sick and then yeah. go to sleep and like that was just my option for a long time and unfortunately that was what I was choosing yeah so and I think I gained about four stone after having Carter just from doing that and was that year then did you feel like you were you had to stay in London or what you know what what, what kind of kept you there? I think, so when we separated it was really bad terms that we had separated and like I had a restraining order and there was a lot of stuff going on like that but we were going through court proceedings and they just dragged out for so long. Mm. So it was about a year that we were back and forth and back and forth and then it kind of got to a point where I think in England they're really good in that um, they kind of are really 50-50 when it comes to mums and dads. You know, in Ireland, I don't feel like dads maybe have as much rights. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> like, unfortunately for me in London, they really do. So you really kind of have to fight, I suppose, to get, I don't know, soul custody or whatever it is. But I remember it was just so ongoing that they ended up just saying, look, you can go home and you can continue the court proceedings if you want. But I think they just knew that it was time, like... I'd been hanging on for so long yeah. and court dates get pushed back all the time. Stuff changes. So that was a really tough year. And that I was like very emotional and testing. But 
I think I remember the day I came out of court and they said like, no, you can go home, like blah, blah. I rang my dad and he literally within an hour had the boat and everything booked for eight hours later. <laughs> he like rented the van and he was over in the van. He was so excited. So yeah, I was ready to leave for a long time. So that kind of last year in London was such, like what well, I hate to say like a waste, but it was just, it was just a hard year, but it was a special year because Carter was kind of from one to two. So like I had an entire year that it was just me and him basically like in a two bedroom apartment in London. So like we had like, I think I wasn't a great headspace, but I'm always grateful for the time that we had together. Mm. Um, I, I suppose like at that point, the weight thing, like you were probably conscious of it, but you were just, your head was somewhere else that it wasn't, it was you couldn't even think so, of it. Exactly. It just wasn't my priority. Like I think for a long time, my priority was just getting out of London, like getting me and character safe and getting London that I just, it wasn't a priority at all. And then I think the month before we were granted leave, my solicitor had said like it's more or less looking likely that you'll be going home in the next few weeks mm. I think I kind of had a moment where I woke up and was like oh shit like I'm 26 stone <laughs> like I need to do something and I'm moving home to like my six best friends who genuinely all look like supermodels oh. and I was like they're all so successful in their careers they're all engaged and I was like and I'm just here like morbidly obese on my own a baby coming home I felt like such a failure mm. So I think I was like, I need to do something. And I was like, I was just so unhealthy and character obviously was just getting very active. And I was like, I need to be around for him. And like I'd said, the whole thing leading by example. I said, if I carry on like this, there's a very, very, very big chance that he's going to kind of follow in my footsteps. I didn't want that. So I think that was the month before I moved home. I just started doing Slim on World. And the way I think I finally then felt like I was getting a little tiny bit of control back mm -hmm. in my life because I knew things were moving forward to moving back to Ireland. I knew I was doing well, kind of a character. And then I just got in control of food. And then food became my obsessive thing. I had control over that. And it was the one thing in my life at the time that I really felt in control of. So I just started writing everything down. And then luckily it just worked for me because I managed to kind of stay in control of it for a long time mm -hmm. and still kind of feel good. And then I think moving home a month later, like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders and obviously I was losing weight, but I think I was just starting to already mentally get into such a better place. Like I was getting happier. I felt so much safer. I didn't feel kind of as anxious as I'd felt for the last few years. So that all that kind of, you know, adrenaline and feeling good about myself was just motivating me more and more to stay on plan because I'd tried loads of diets before and they wouldn't work out. But I think I was just in a really good headspace. Mm -hmm. And I think you need that. I think it's hard. A lot of people message me sometimes where they're like, oh, I'm just trying. It's not working. And I'm like, sometimes it's just that you're not emotionally or mentally ready because it is a journey like and it takes time. I think people think, you know, I'll just wake up tomorrow, have this new routine and my life will change. Yeah. But you really kind of have to be in a good headspace. And I think luckily I was just starting to get into a very good headspace again. And that just really helped my journey be successful, I suppose. You're such an inspiration. I think you've also been really honest about the fact that it's been up and down like and as you say like people message and say oh why is this not happening straight away but I think you've even spoken in the last few months about like you know it, it's not yeah. plain sailing like and it's, it's a constant it's something that you're constantly working on yeah and like when people are like I lose motivation I'm like but you don't lose motivation I'm like it's just consistency and like even in the last year I'd kind of gained a little bit over the last year I'd say I gained about a stone back in the last year and I kept thinking like I just don't feel as pumped anymore but I, and I remember people always said to me like no when you get to your target weight or your low weight that's when it gets really hard and I was like I don't think so like I'll just be so happy to get that weight that like it'll be grand but it is I think you do get to a place where I think because the whole time you're losing weight you have your purpose and you have your why and you're working towards that and then you kind of get to a place where you're actually really happy and like I was really content to myself I was confident I was comfortable I was happy that that kind of purpose and why not that you lose it but it's not as important anymore because you feel like that bit more I suppose fulfilled because you're healthy in yourself or happy in yourself so I think then I just had to kind of find my new why and obviously your why can change or your purpose can change and mm. I was just trying to figure out what like what it is I think that'll make me happy now so I've kind of been maintaining for a while and then a couple of weeks ago I just was like no I think it was when COVID hit and I kind of was not being as active and I really was starting to eat more 
And um, I was like, I just don't want to feel like this. Um, mm. I was like, I don't want to beat myself up, but I also don't want to pick up old habits again. Yeah. So I just kind of made a plan for myself. And then I've started gradually dropping the weight again in the last few weeks and it's working. But it's just because I'm being consistent. Like, it's not even that I'm more motivated. I'm just making myself do it and being consistent. And I think that's, I think people think you kind of, motivation comes in waves. And like, I know there are some days you might feel a little bit more motivated, but I think it's just to remind yourself that you might, you're not, you're not always going to have motivation. Yeah. Nobody always feels motivated, but you just have to remind yourself that like it's consistency that's key. And I, making yourself get up and do it every single day, that's when you see results. Yeah. Not kind of sitting around waiting to feel motivated to do it. That sounds about but you know what I mean? No, absolutely. <laughs> like, I've struggled in the past, I'd say, year and a half with the same thing. I spent a year of my life, like, really working out and really, like, saying, this is what I want. And I had my goal weight and I hit the target. And then for some reason, I don't know if it was just the happiness or just being complacent yeah. a little bit that I literally gained all three stone back again over yeah. the course of 2019. And now we're in 2020 and I'm looking in the mirror going, I can't believe I let this happen and I'm beating myself up so much now that I, I almost can't get back into the mindset of just just yeah. let it go just you know get back into it but yeah. it's so it's hard so and hard. everybody thinks it like really one, yeah everybody thinks like once you do reach that goal weight like oh that's it but I still felt like there was still a struggle yeah. yeah no it's still a struggle and I think I find it really hard to accept sometimes that like I think sometimes like the dream is that you get to your goal weight and then you can just eat and live like a normal person. Yeah. Like in my eyes, what I would see as a normal person, mm -hmm. like all of my friends. Now, obviously we're all getting a little bit older. We're all in the thirties now. It does get a little bit harder. But even when we were kind of in our twenties, I remember my friends like would be eating takeaway five times a week. They didn't work out and they just didn't gain weight. And I yeah. kept thinking, God, if I get down to their weight, I'll be able to be like that. But it's not the case, I think like maintaining is just as hard as losing the weight like Tell maintaining is really hard because it's just, sometimes it's hard to accept that it's just going to be constant but yeah. it's just to remember that it's just making healthier choices and you can still like you can still overindulge or indulge when you want to but it's just remembering that like you kind of need to get back at it. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like being healthy, like even if you wanted to have two or three unhealthy days a week, like you have to kind of congratulate yourself for having the four really healthy days. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like don't yeah. be focus on having like a shit weekend. Like you had a great Monday to Friday and you can have another great Monday to Friday. Mm -hmm. So that's what I tried to focus on. Like even last week at Carter's party, like I had cake, I had sweets and then his, what he really wanted was a chipper takeaway because we never got that. So we got him the chipper takeaway and I had a bit of everything. And like, I didn't feel one bit guilty. And I'd been so good the last three weeks. I hadn't, and I remember at one point getting a little bit worried, being like, oh God, I'm going to have a mad weekend. And then I was speaking to my trainer, Mo, and he was just like, he was like, you've been doing amazing. He mm. was like, eat all the cake. He's like, eat the cake till it's gone. He was like, you're working so hard. He's like, sure, you'll be back at it. Mm. And then thankfully, when I got up on the Sunday, I did kind of just get back into it because I didn't overthink of it or I didn't feel guilty about it and be like, throw it in the bag now. I might as well go crazy. I just carried on like it was another normal day. Yeah. I think that's where a lot of people struggle. You're kind of like, well, I've messed up now. I might as well carry it through for the rest of the week. Yeah. That's kind of a little bit of a life lesson in general, isn't it? It's just like you've got to pick yourself up and keep going. You mentioned kind of Instagram as a forum and that, you know, sometimes it can be a little bit fake. How do you stay positive on it and how do you deal with, I don't know if you've had any kind of negativity in terms of comments or, you know, feedback from people that you don't necessarily want because people feel yeah. like they can say whatever they want from behind yeah. the mm -hmm. phone. I think yeah it's hard it's that whole thing I suppose where I feel like when you're on social media no matter what you say like if it's someone that wants to be negative or they're just sending you a random message like there's some people out there that just love to correct you or to question kind of your every move um and I'm like no matter what you say to them their comeback is always going to be well you know don't put it out there if you don't want to receive it and I'm kind of like I think I find it the hardest I can be quite fiery and hot-tempered and I really don't, like I said, I forget sometimes that I do have over 100,000 followers. And like my friends be very good at being like more professional, I suppose, when it comes to Instagram because it's their career. But for me, I'm like, my Instagram is 
it's literally just a page where I post meals. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't, I would never consider myself like a blogger or an influencer or anything like that. I'm just like, I just post my meals and a lot of people follow it. But I think if someone was being really negative with me, I would just snap back at them. Now, luckily, I haven't experienced a lot of it. I think the worst I ever got was the, like, you'd get a, like a random fake page that might say something towards character. Do you know what I mean? But I actually don't respond to that because I know that's just somebody looking for a reaction. But I remember the time of my surgery. I got a little bit, no, I wouldn't even say backlash, maybe like five or six people messaged me kind of to say like, you're spending 10 grand on the surgery, like you're a single parent, like you're living at home, like should your priorities not be a mortgage? And that without, because I'd never really talked about online, but that was something that I actually was really struggling with. I was like, I was taking all of my savings for all these surgeries and those savings would have probably been for a mortgage. And I remember kind of just being like, well, at the moment in Ireland, I was like, I'm a single parent. I was like, chances of me getting a mortgage are very slim as a single parent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember then feeling like I had to justify myself to people. And then I kind of just took a step back and I just, I just wouldn't respond because I think I'm hot tempered. I would get, I'd probably be like, I don't know, like I'd re- reply in a way that I shouldn't reply. <laughs> like I wouldn't be, I'd be as wrong as they are, if you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But um, I think I just took a step back and I'm just kind of like, I think genuinely the reason those people message it is because they want a response. They want an argument. They want to come back at you. They already probably have their next response in their head before you respond. Mm-hmm. So I think when you, it's hard sometimes to ignore, but I think when you do kind of divulge into it, you know, that they're just going to be at you. And that's exactly what they want. And I just think, I don't know, it's a bit pathetic. Like, I understand there's some things on social media people might question or, like, fair enough, people can ask questions. But I think when people just send nasty stuff, it's just... Like, luckily, I don't get a lot of it, but I know people would get that every day, like, just horrible messages. And it would turn you off social media. But I think because my page, like I was saying, is genuinely just recipes and food, I don't think I leave a massive amount of space to be critiqued. You know what I mean? Like the worst I might get is like, that's not very healthy or something. Do you know what I mean? I'm not going to get so much negativity, but I think like if you're kind of a full-time lifestyle blogger, I don't think I could handle that. Like, or if people were commenting on my parenting, I think that's where I would really, really lose it. Um, Mm. And like people, like I have some of my friends that would be doing it and people would constantly message them like about how they're parenting or what they're doing. And like, I was like, I would lose my will. I think I'd have to come off social media if people were doing that to me. So I do think I'm kind of lucky. I think especially in a time like this where people are spending like 20 to 30% more time on social media now because we're all stuck at home. Um, People, I think it's a really good time. And I know a lot of people have said this already in the last weeks, but I do think it's a really, really good time to look at who you're watching mm-hmm. and who genuinely, because I have people that I might watch and I'll be like, oh my God, like gobshire, you know, mm-hmm. I'm watching like that stupid or something. And then I'm kind of like, just unfollow them. And I know people hate when you say that, but you know, when you just say, if you don't like them, unfollow them. Yeah. Like I do really stand by that. I think it would make such a difference even for your own social media, because then when you go on social media, you're coming away from it more positive because you're only watching people that you genuinely have an interest in, that you like or that you're learning from. Whereas if you're just going on to be nosy or to critique someone, like you're, it's just such a waste of time. Like it's such a waste of everyone's time. I just don't understand how people can set up pages to just hate watch people. Do you know what I mean? Like, I do think that is weird, but that's just, I suppose, the time we live in. Yeah. And also, I think sometimes when you're unhappy with yourself, it's easier to kind of project that onto other people, especially people who, you know, we feel like, oh, you're in the public forum, you know, exactly. You can't really touch you. So you're somehow superhuman. It's okay. Yeah. Was it a conscious decision to talk about your surgery? like to your followers or did you feel like you had to do that no it was definitely conscious I think for a long long time I was in the mindset that I wasn't I was just like no like I wouldn't share that kind of stuff I was like I don't really share um like not graphic before and after pictures but I know a lot of people on social media that have weight loss pages would do a lot of before and afters in their underwear I just would not be like that. I just, it's not me. And I remember being like, no, like I feel like if it's surgery, like you have to show kind of things. So I remember I was like, look, I'll take it day by day. And I just kind of got to a point where when I started talking about it, so many people were interested in it, like so many people. And then I think it was the day before my surgery 
the night before my surgery I took a load of photographs like photographs I wouldn't have even shown like my mom mm. like really gruesome ones of the skin and I think it was after the surgery I was just so happy with the results and I was so proud of myself yeah. I think for the first time I was like I'm gonna I'm really proud that I shared them and it was like my loose my excess skin and then my tummy afterwards now people still mess me all the time it's like you never put your stomach up anymore and I'm like <laughs> like I don't need to I showed you the kind of before like if I want I will but I'm not really that kind of person mm. but um I remember I was delighted when I did because so many people reached out and so many people were like I remember there were women like in their 40s and 50s and they're like my kids are teenagers like I had lost 10 stone like I've been living with that for years I didn't think there was kind of you could get results like that or even the um what was it the before and after because people like even close to me, so many people were like, I had no idea that you were hiding that under mm -hmm. your clothes because excess skin is like easy to hide. Mm -hmm. And then like, I had no idea that's what it was. Like I thought you were just, you know, having a little tummy tuck because you had like a flappy belly or, and I was like, no, like I had like, I think four kilos, three or four kilos of just skin on my stomach, like lower stomach area that was just hanging. Yeah. Um, so I was delighted with the result. Now, my next surgery was actually supposed to be last month, but obviously it's been postponed. Mm. But that's my arms and my breasts. So like, I don't know how I got about that because obviously like I'm not putting pictures up of um, my boobs. But I know a lot of people on social media do. But I think I would just maybe take a picture in like a sports bra or something. Mm -hmm. But um, that'll be a hard one. But I know a lot of people are interested in it. I think more people than you realize um, have lost weight. And I think excess skin surgery, for me anyway, before when I was researching it, I found it so hard um, in Ireland to kind of find any kind of information or people that had experienced it. Everyone that I followed that had had the surgery that I had, they were in Australia or America. And I think there was two girls in the UK but it's really not heard of. It's really common in America and even Australia. But, um, and then I remember thinking, I think it could actually be really, really helpful. Because mm -hmm. I think as well nowadays, weight loss is a big thing because a lot of people, like even with social media, I know we're talking about the negative stuff, but I mm. do think it has a positive side because I know even for me, social media really helped kind of kickstart me. I followed people on social media. I looked up to that I'd lost weight. And... I think it really encourages people and people are starting to lose like massive amounts of weight now and um they don't know the surgery exists and i just thought it would be really helpful like i find it hard even sometimes still to look at those photos and to know that i shared them to that many people but when i think of the amount of people that messaged me afterwards or that ended up booking the surgery with mm. the same surgeon or anything like that like it kind of just makes me feel better because i know how hard it is i suppose to live with that skin that it was nice to know if there were other people that had it that didn't know, you know, this pre-existed, that they ended up going for it. Yeah. Do you ever struggle, Jen, with the two selves, right? Because what I found is when I lost the weight, I almost still felt like I was carrying it. I still carried myself as a bigger person. Yeah. And I didn't I didn't know how to get out of that kind of psychology. Was that something you struggled with? Oh, 100%. I always say that. I'm always like, I no matter how, like people are probably sick of me saying this, but I'm always like, losing 12 stone was really hard. And obviously mm. it was a struggle and it was a battle, but changed in my mindset. And like, when we were talking about um I suppose the biggest lesson I've learned in the last two years I re kind of it's almost like restructuring my whole brain and how I think and how I speak to myself mm. like I was such a negative person I put myself down so much I had other people I suppose like on the outside putting me down so then that made me even more kind of like believe in it and I would speak to myself that way and I was like, I would say I'm like the lowest of the low when it came to self-confidence and how I spoke to myself and viewed myself. Mm. But over the two years, or it's almost three years now of the journey, um, I think changing my mindset is the hardest. It's so hard. And even when I lost like the first, I don't know, seven or eight stone, I'd see pictures and I wouldn't, or I still wouldn't want to get in pictures. And yeah. then I'd see some pictures and I'd kind of be like, oh my God, like I kind of look normal like I look like my friends I don't stand out anymore but in my head when I was getting that picture taken I just feel like I'm two people standing there yeah and I just feel like I'm beside or like I don't know it's, it's really hard I still always see myself even sometimes when I dress I'm like oh god no I couldn't wear that like yeah. I'm too big because I would have been one of those people where I would dress for my size I wouldn't dress for how I wanted 
Um, and I think even now, like changing that is really hard and speaking to yourself. And even now, sometimes like I'll take a picture or send it to my friend or they'll send it to me and I'll be like, oh God, look at that. And the first thing I do is I go to the negative yeah. or I just see, you know, the bulge coming out. And I'm really trying to work. I've definitely improved so much and I've gotten so much better. And I think even for me to take a selfie and post on social media, like I know that's what like 90% of people do on social media, but for me, I'm always like, that's even a big deal for me because I would never do that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when I think I am I need a confidence booster, I'm feeling bad, I'm like, just make yourself do something, like put on a dress you wouldn't normally wear or like take a picture of yourself, post a picture um, and just kind of step outside of your comfort zone. But I think it is, it's a long, long process and kind of reprogramming your brain and to really like accept that you've lost all the way because yeah. I didn't see it. I think the first five stone I couldn't see it in myself. Now obviously I was very heavy, but I couldn't see it at all. And um then when we go out or like even when we go out now and like when I was at my lowest weight and like we'd go up and like drunk people would approach it in the back of my head I'm always like oh god don't talk like they'll call you fat don't talk they'll call you fat and like I'll say things like that and I have to like this stranger who's never seen me before only sees me as I am now and they're obviously not seeing me as like a 26 stone person but in my head I think everyone knows yeah I'm the fat girl if that makes sense like it's hard to explain so I feel like I'm always on edge because I'm waiting for someone to say it and I think when we're out or like when people are drunk that's usually a time where people are sillier they'll say things and I'm always on edge a little bit that Mm. someone's just going to say something negative but then I have to remember they probably don't even see me as big it's just I'm remembering myself like that so I think changing all of that is really hard like I've definitely gotten better and it's so important I think when you go through a massive journey to remember the half of it is like it's a mental journey as much as it is a physical journey Mm -hmm. but like I'm still learning every day I suppose and I think it's interesting to hear you speak like that and talk about it like that because it gives me kind of hope then as well because I did find myself struggling a little bit kind of going oh I still see myself as that but even though I have lost the weight and I think maybe that's why I kind of started like eating myself back up again because I couldn't it's like I couldn't accept what I was yeah Yeah, that's what I felt it's like even when I'm in the gym like when I go to the gym and I train I always feel like oh I'm just the fat girl in the gym and I think it's really hard to get out of that mindset Mm. but you're doing good girl you're doing good so (laughs) Jen what has been your defining moment I don't know I think I always say one that's quite small but I do think it was a massive like part of my journey and like even like for my head again for my mental side of it and I remember joining the gym when I started PT that was a moment Mm. I just remember I was really proud of myself like if we're talking kind of to do with the weight loss and stuff that was a moment I remember I was so proud because I never in a million years thought that I would have gone to PT and then I done the PT for six months and then I started going to small group training and then I was doing just the regular classes with everyone else in the gym that people like I used to see those classes and be like oh holy god like that's for athletes Mm. I'd never be able to do that and I remember um yeah when I started the PT and I started the training and I absolutely loved my trainer I had such a good relationship with him and I think then just continuing with the classes and making it a part of my routine, like getting up every day for like the last two years at like half five in the morning and going Monday to Friday and absolutely loving it. And then I made such such a close group um, of friends in the gym. And I think that even just being a part of my life, like training in itself, I always still think it's funny when I think of myself as someone that trains or that like works out five days a week because I just wasn't that kind of person. Mm. But I do think that. And then I remember doing... Um, like an event I, I can't remember what the event was but I remember doing an event with my trainer Sean before and I remember just being like this is actually surreal I was like like to think 18 months ago like I was 26 down like crying myself to sleep every night on my own in London like thinking that that was my life and then I was like and now here I am like 12 stone later with my personal trainer like speaking to a crowd of people oh, wow. and I think those kind of moments I just be like like how did this happen yeah. like what is going on <laughs> or like why do people have any like want to hear it do you know what I mean but then I, I do get it because I know I would have wanted to hear it but just things like that and then I done a couple of events um last year where I actually spoke out on domestic violence and I think that was a really really massive part of my journey because I'd so um it was just something that I'd never spoken about and I never thought I would share. And then I spoke to a crowd of like 200 women 
um, we went to four different locations in Ireland and we just, I spoke about it and I shared my journey. And I, that wasn't really on social media. That was more just um, for the events themselves. But I remember feeling really proud of myself with that as well, because that was something that I never thought um, I'd come at, like come out about, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, just little things like that. I don't think, because I think it's been an, an ongoing journey yeah. and it's like, it'll be three years in July. I think it's hard to pinpoint a moment because I still feel like I'm on it. Like, I still feel like it's just, this is it. Like, this is my lifestyle. Yeah. It's hard to pinpoint a moment. But I do remember the gym being a really special and, like, pivotal moment in the journey that I was, like, making it a part of my life. Amazing. I think, like Trisha said it already, but you, you kind of say those things as if they're, you know, you're so, like relaxed and laid back about it but like to speak out about what you did last year I didn't know that you'd done that like it is hugely inspirational Jen because there are so many people that you know are probably in a situation that you were in years ago and are so Mm -hmm. lost and feel so alone so to, to be able to do that having got to a place in your life where you're comfortable and you can own it is is kind of incredible. Thank you. It absolutely is. And what's been incredible has been having you on this podcast. Thank you so, so much for chatting to us, Jen. It was just a breath of fresh air. It was really nice. It was so fun because the questions were so different. It wasn't like the normal questions when we get asked. So that was fun. I liked having the random ones. (laughs) (laughs) Good, good. That's what it's for. (laughs) Jen, thank you so much. And we look forward to following you on your journey on Instagram and continuing the process with you. It's been amazing and uh, I'm sure we'll continue that way. Perfect. Thanks, Trish. Thank Thank you so much, darling. If you enjoyed this episode of Girl Talk, don't forget to click that like button and sharing is caring. Chat to you soon. Girl Talk, a podcast from Beats.